from the Rams studio connected by AT&T. Welcome to Between the Horns. I'm Miles Simmons. I'm with DeMarco Farr. It is Wednesday, November 8th, about 11.15 Pacific time, and the Rams are 6-2. November 8th, 6-2. Yeah. That's well, not bad. Yeah, that's a that, little symmetry that's there. That's not bad. I'm I glad like you that. noticed that. Yeah. I did not notice that at all. But um, you know what? 50 Two, one. Yeah. Goodness gracious. 51 yeah. to 17 victory yeah. over um, the New York Giants. And Oof. I said 52 because, of course, I'm looking at my notes. And it says first time reaching 50 points since the 52 to 0 beatdown of the yeah. Raiders back in 2014. Um, Robert first, Quinn's best game ever. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's up there. <laughs> Beat the Raiders by himself. Yeah. Yeah. And that, but. This team right now is really, really rolling, you know? Yeah. You're 5-0 in games away from the Coliseum. Now you're coming back to the Coliseum in first place in the NFC West by a game. Uh, thank you to Washington and Kirk Cousins for beating Seattle. But, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's nice to be out in front, especially at the midway point of the season. I'm just happy you finally beat Eli Manning. Yeah, That's the right? first thing that came to mind. Finally, you beat Eli. Isn't that interesting? You know, you beat him so bad, yeah. actually, that now they're talking about starting Davis Webb a little bit, well, which is crazy. You, if you're in New York, shouldn't you at this point? What's the point? I don't know. That team's heading in the wrong direction. It, I mean, that's, that's bad. That's real bad. I yeah. mean, did you see what uh, Ben McAdoo said when they asked him, what did you say to the team I stopped halftime? listening. What did he say? Um... That's what he said? He said um, um, oh, my goodness. And then, wow. like, paused for a few seconds, and then they had to ask him wow. another question because he um. – It's just so sad for them because if they if they had Odell Beckham Jr., if they had um, uh, Brandon Marshall yeah. back out there, that's a completely different offense, oh, completely yeah. different football team. So, I mean, injuries just – they take their toll on football teams. For sure they yeah. do. But at the same time, I mean – and we don't need to talk about the Giants too long. But I don't know. Yeah. I think when Eli Manning has a starting streak of 207 games, that's been going on since 2004. I, to me, that's tough to break that. True. Just to see Davis Webb, who you and I looked at during when they were going through pregame warm-ups. Yeah. And you're watching him go through this pregame workout, and he does not look, to me, that ready to start taking steps. I always say start streak is one thing. What's your record during those starts? Okay. And then we'll okay. see what's going on down, yeah. the, down the road. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just pointing out that New York is down right now. It is. So, and uh, you're supposed to beat teams like New York like you did on Sunday. I mean, m- maybe not 51 points. Uh, but definitely, when you have the upper hand and you're the better football team, you should dominate. I mean, I was uh, talking to Coach McVay the other day. What's it like to call plays when everything's working? <laughs> Everything you're doing is working. I mean, yeah. a third and thirty pre, uh, third and thirty-three goes for fifty-two yards and a touchdown, and he's untouched. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you say to that guy when he comes back to the bench? Great play, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Really, I mean, it's it's yeah. odd. And then uh, you know you have end arounds with Tavon Austin that gets 14 yards down the field before he's touched once. Yeah, uh, that's great blocking, that's great execution, and that's just poor defense on the other side. It is, but it it's, goes back to something you said last week, which is what you said, Coach Vermeil told you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, playoff teams, winning teams, keep losing teams, losing. Yes. That's what the Rams did on Sunday. Let them continue on to where they're headed Mm -hmm. and don't get in their way. They obviously want to lose today. So just (laughs) get out of their way. I I mean, I'm serious. Just get out of their way and do it. You're not wrong. Yeah, and respect them and play as hard as you can and don't hurt yourself. Uh, Six penalties, not bad. Uh, Everything on offense is pretty much working. The only thing that bothered me on Sunday was just the defense a little. Okay, I why? Mean, well, I mean, they ran the football. I mean, they slammed it at you, and they had some success. And Eli Manning early put one in the end zone on a long drive. I mean, that's all they had. That's their only chance they had at winning. But there were some concerning moments from the Rams' defense on Sunday. Well, for sure. I mean, it was 7-7 seven to seven mm-hmm. late in that first quarter after Eli Manning drove down the field and was able to do that. Uh, they converted four of four third downs yeah, yeah, on yeah. that drive. So I think if you're pointing, if you want to look at something and say, okay, you had a 51-17 to 17 victory, but where do you improve? It's exactly there. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, um, playing defense, especially on a team like this that has an offense that can score and everyone's happy with the record and 51 points, but when you really look at it and think, Eli Manning has some shots at you with some open guys that he just missed. I agree with so you. So flip that to this week when you've got Hopkins and you've got Will Fuller out there. And I I think an improved Savage. He's going to play better than he did against Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. So some of those incompletions or overthrows are going to be connections and possibly touchdowns. So a blowout game could turn into a shootout 
like that. It can. If you don't make plays. And that's exactly what the Rams have to continue mm-hmm. to, to work on in, in order to continue improving. Um, but I do want to talk about Jared Goff. Yeah. Because he's the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. First time a Rams quarterback has been NFC Offensive Player of the Week since 2007. Wow. And who was the quarterback then? Uh, Mark Bulger? Yes, I correct. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Like, and Mark not Bulger. Kurt. Yeah, no, Kurt was no, gone. Had to be Mark gone. Bulger, yeah. right. But that's, I mean, he had uh, basically a career day for yeah. what his young career is. He's basically 15 on, starts into it. On how many completions? I, I know. Well, that's what I'm getting to. 14 <laughs> of 22 for 311 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. And he's player of the week. 146.8. Point eight passer rating. Yeah, uh, I guess the Giants' defense is the is the opposite. Uh, yeah, yeah, fourteen completions, week, and yeah. he is the player of the week. Right. I mean, that's wow. that's twenty two yards per completion. Oh my gosh. It's fourteen yards per attempt. Fire and what's everybody. considered good at yards per attempt yeah. is seven. Eight yeah. is elite. And if you you got fourteen in a game, well, so. you hit the bomb <laughs> to Sammy, and we that was a matter of time. You right. know, I mean, they've been flirting with that for a while. You finally hit one. Uh, that was a great. That was a great play to see. Uh, Robert Woods making plays. Yeah. That that screen that went. So, yeah, Jared had a great, efficient day throwing the football. Mm-hmm. I mean, there wasn't much for him to do in, in the pocket. Sure, he had great protection. And fantastic protection. Great protection. Didn't get hit at all, at according to all. Pro Football Focus. Sometimes he had to move around and just you know find an open window, but he wasn't really avoiding bodies. No. And guys were getting open. So yeah, I mean that player of the week. I guess you can share with everybody else on the field. Yeah. That, that was out there with him. Oh, I would say so. Yeah. But I, I think when you look at what he's been doing, uh, he's just really taking good command mm-hmm. of the offense, I think, and playing within himself and within what McVay needs him to do in order for this offense to be successful. McVay often talks about managing the game yeah. and things like that. And I sort of wonder sometimes um, when they go no huddle, mm-hmm. like what is McVay saying in his ear? As Jared Goff winds up in the Probably line of giving him options of what the coverage looks like and where the open guy might be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this this might be dead, this might be open. Watch this. I think they're gonna blitz and then, you know, the mics go dead. But I mean just just watching him interact with Jared Goff, the head coach, after big plays. Yeah. You know, shaking his hand, challenging him. You know, on the on the deep ball, Sean McVay was the first guy on the field to Jared Goff, mm-hmm. giving him a big high five. But just congratulating, good shot down the field. I gave you a chance. Let's see if you can hit it, and you almost overthrew the guy. Yeah. Um, when have we talked about Jared Goff and arm strength? Not all. It's, it's been a while. It has, and been. you almost overthrew one of the fastest guys in the league. Yes. Yeah. He he's got an arm, and he's starting to show it off. I think that all be it's all coming because of the confidence. I think so too. Um, that's funny you say that. Uh, that pass that was connected between um, Goff and Watkins. If you look at NFL Next Gen stats that they've mm-hmm. got on uh, the website there, whatever. It, they say that that's the longest completed pass through the air this season, 61.8 yards. That really? traveled through the air that's, well, from wow. Goff to Watkins. And that's the longest pass they've completed. I was on the line of scrimmage when he let it go, so it's going away from me. Uh-huh. And I swear, I, from my angle, it looked like he was throwing it out of the stadium. Huh. That's how high and as far. Yeah. It, it's like, wow, is he going to catch that? And he ran under it and caught it. It was just an amazing play. So it's, when you can start adding plays like that to your resume – to your tape, your opponent tape, well, I mean, there's almost nothing you can call. Exactly. The screen game is killing you. The run game is killing you. The short passing game is almost on point. Mm-hmm. And then you start adding that to your offense. I mean, that makes you one of the elite teams. It absolutely does. Yeah. And that's why this this Rams offense right now is so hard to stop because mm-hmm. you have all these different options. Um, the one thing I noticed um, looking at that play on the all-22 angle mm-hmm was that it seemed like Landon Collins and Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie both looked at Cooper Cup coming across on that sort of intermediate deep drag. Yeah. And it looked like they were focusing in on him as opposed to Sammy Watkins going past. Now, that's yeah, a yeah. blown it, it's a blown coverage anytime you let somebody get five yards way, behind you. In a way, yes. Um, this is so funny. We were just having this discussion. I was talking to Marshall, uh-huh. talking to Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt. And I realized that Masters of Offense – Hall of Fame offensive guys are actually masters of defense. Well, you've got one as a head coach. Uh-huh. So he knows the scheme. He can tell coverage just like any quarterback in the league. So if you're showing this coverage, you better get there. Because yeah. if not, he's going to test you. And I think that's exactly what happened. Landon Collins is an all-pro. Sometimes, you know, he'll take bad angles. He'll see something and go off instinct. Well, he's going to test you on those type of plays, and wrong spot twice. Yeah. And got caught 
twice for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, but that's what I mean because it, a lot of the time I feel like golf has gone to that sort of intermediate mm-hmm. type route that Cup was running mm-hmm. instead of the sort of deep shot to Sammy Watkins. And so maybe yeah. it, it, I think based on tendencies and whatnot, that's probably what Landon Collins was going off of instinct and doing, saying, okay, I'm going to go to Cup. I can see this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And instead, boom, ball goes to Sammy Watkins and, you know, you've got a 67-yard touchdown. You caught Earl Thomas like that. You didn't catch it. Right. You caught him like yes. that a few times yes. where he starts to see something and well, you got to remember Sean McVay is watching and he knows what coverage you're supposed to, what your responsibilities are, are supposed to be and what you're doing are right. two different things. So right. he's hit a couple of players like that and I expect more. Um, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't yeah. against this offense. It is. And, yeah. and that's because you've got so, yeah. so many different weapons. Oh, yeah. I heard a funny story. This is way, way, way back. 1999 when Trent Green was still our quarterback in preseason. This is when Mike Martz was coaching uh, Trent Green through Kurt Warner. So Kurt couldn't do anything right, right? Yeah. So Trent sees cover two, throws like a little check down pass, right? Good play, Trent. Yeah. Kurt sees the same thing, throws a check down. Why don't you throw the post? So Kurt's like, um, it's there's a safety there. I'm not supposed to throw the post in this coverage. Mm-hmm. You see that guy back there? He's a safety. If he could cover, he'd be a corner. <laughs> That's his mentality. I don't care what the responsibilities are. Take the shot. Yeah. So I think you're starting to see some of that here now with Jared Goff and Sean McVay. Challenge yourselves to be better and be better than what other people are doing. I think you notice that during that game where there were some times where he took more of a risk, took more of a shot than he has sort of in the past leading up to this game. Um, I mean, a couple of third downs I I feel like I was watching and you could see Gurley kind of come open in the check down. And instead, Goff was like, you know what, I'm going to take this shot this time. And I think part of that may have to do with the lead the Rams had most of the game. Um, You know, you also are talking about the the quality of the opponent that you're playing. And they uh, they clearly were not playing well in that game. Right. So, and I don't think, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's the point guard at some point. Like, uh, there was a shot where he, he tossed it towards Cooper Cup. And... Had he caught it, he's still out of the back of the end zone. Yes. It's still going to be incomplete. But you had Todd yes. Gurley underneath. Yes, that's open. that's what I'm referring to. But he's to. the point guard. You know, hey, look, um, I, I thought the guy had a hot hand. I'm giving him a shot. We'll have another opportunity. Mm-hmm. That could be a product of a guy that's growing in this offense. Yeah. You know, I thought I saw something. Let me take a shot at it. But next time, we'll hit this here. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's fine, I, yeah. especially as you grow as a young quarterback. That, that's what you want to see. You want to mm. see him continue to take those steps because you, the last thing you want is a captain checkdown sort oh, of yeah. moniker, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Even if you're protecting the ball and whatnot, you have to take shots because, uh, to quote another a- NFC West coach, you got to risk it to get the biscuit. Absolutely. Brett Favre. I mean, by this coverage that we're rolling out against Favre, he can't get the ball here. Mm-hmm. Ball snap, there's the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, he doesn't care what you're, what, you're, what you're playing and what your coverage is. If he thinks he can get it there or his guy is hot, he's going to give it an opportunity. Right. Yeah. Uh, so one of the other interesting things um, about Jared Goff this weekend is that he and Carson Wentz actually became oh, the boy. first – quarterbacks pick number one and number two overall in the same draft to ever toss for four touchdowns in, in the same weekend. Isn't that interesting? What does that have to do with Sunday? It doesn't have much to do with Sunday. Then why bring out that sort of stat? No, I think it's interesting. What do you mean, what does it have to do with Sunday? It's a stat that comes from Sunday. Am I wrong, Matt? All no, these... and I mean, they're What's both the leading point the top of that two. Stat? Top two offenses in the league right now. Okay, so that's relevant. fair. Thank I like that you. one better. Yes, yeah, yeah. and that's segue. We're good. Thank, Thank you. you, producer, for understanding my mind and understanding what I was doing here. Okay, go ahead. Because you have right now these top two quarterbacks who are making their teams look really good for making these trades because nice. the Eagles are. Yeah. Thank you for saying nice. We're to not. My segue. We, we don't have the Eagles this week. I we, know we, have we don't the have Texans. the Texans. So why are we talking about Carson Wentz? Because it's an interesting storyline that is going on around the league. Okay, is that is that all right with focus, you? Miles. I'm totally one game focused. at a time, Miles. I am one Go game ahead. at a time. I just think I think it's interesting right now that you have these two quarterbacks at the midway point of the season, yes. which we're actually midway through it now. Finally, not quite. This mid-season. would actually be midseason. Yes, this okay, would be midseason because we've we've gone through eight games. But I mean, look, when you look at the Rams and the Eagles, this is. People keep talking about it, and I I think it's true at this point. You have this collision course right now for um, December the 10th. Houston Texans. Carson Wentz lining up at quarterback for the Houston Texans? No, I see Tom Savage. (sighs) 
Why are we talking about Carson Wentz? We're talking one about the Rams and the Eagles. Don't you listen to Sean McVay? I know it's one, one game week at a, at a time. Thank you, Texans. Anyway, go ahead. Really? All that work you just did. I know. Go ahead. I have so many read, notes. Read your stuff. Go ahead. <sighs> well, now I'm just Read gonna, your numbers. Go yeah, ahead. You just be quiet over you here. Maybe I'll just numbers. have this discussion <laughs> with Matt. Matt, do you want to talk about this interesting no. thing that I think is interesting? Go In ahead. general, the what is it? The 2016 quarterback class is yes. leading. Like So, Goff, Wentz, and Dak Prescott yeah. are three of the top five quarterbacks in leading the QBR right now? Yes. Is that yeah, correct? Yes, yes. And it's very interesting because you have these teams. Good for the GMs. Right. Good for the GMs, especially down there in Dallas where you pick Dak Prescott in the fourth round instead of Paxton Lynch like Jerry Jones wanted. But the point I'm trying to make here is, look, you've got the Rams and Eagles point differential. Rams are plus 108. Eagles are plus 104, 1-2. Scoring, Rams, 32.9 points per game. Eagles, 31.4 points per game, 1-2. Then you have yards, Eagle, Rams are three, Eagles are five. Third downs, LA's number one, Eagles number two. Like like I'm saying, this is a midseason. It's kind of a collision course. Even, listen, the, the longest pass, right? Goff, I just told you, it's 61.8 yards per NFL next-gen stats. Carson went 61.2. Like it's it. just, it's, it's interesting to see how these two guys have grown into being who they are midway through their second year. And it's even more interesting because we're going to see these two teams square off in another month. There. Did we mention that the Rams surpassed their 2016 point total? Yes. Yeah, see, that's interesting. Yes, Yeah. That, exactly. Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. So, yeah, it yeah. is a great point. Because, yes. you t- look, I mean, anytime you're talking about a team surpassing their point total like Ugh. midway through the season, I, I think it was either the second or third touchdown or maybe yeah. it was Greg Zerline's field goal where that actually happened yeah. during the game. And it's both sides. I yeah. mean, this offense is scoring. That's great. And the other one just wasn't. Right. It really underscores how bad – that offense. That was offense ones last year, yes. right? I mean, yeah. this offense is great and it's getting better, but wow! I mean, midway through a season and you've already outscored the other team. That's that's crazy. Yeah, and this comes from uh, NFL research. Apparently, the Rams are on pace to become the first team in NFL history to go from worst scoring offense at 14 points per game last year in one season to the best scoring offense, which, as I just said, 32.9 points per game in the next. Wow. So their 18.9 points per game improvement over last season is also the largest in NFL history. And you, I don't think you've scratched the surface yet this year. I don't either because there are more points (laughs) that you could have scored. You You left some on the table. There's a lot left. Yeah, and you took your foot off the gas in New York. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because the, the, basically the starters were out by the fourth quarter. Yes, which is cool. I thought that was the coolest thing. Uh-huh. Uh, you get more breaks as you go on, and you get some young guys some reps, mm-hmm. uh, which will help you down the road. So, I mean, smart use of a blowout. Smart use of mop-up time by this coaching staff, I agree. Too. Yeah. Yeah, you got in Malcolm Brown for some carries. And right. It's funny. I, t- I told you this before the game. Mm-hmm. What did I say? I want to see Malcolm Brown get, like, 50 yards. And he did. Yeah. <laughs> 57, I believe. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that, let's make Good sure running we're back. right. Yeah. yeah. 57. 57 on yeah. 15 carries. Good running back. That's exactly what you want out of in this kind of game where you beat them down like that. You yeah. get in some of those younger players. You get your starting quarterback out of the game. And you get as many linemen as you can out of the game. Well, Whitworth first. Yeah, yes, yeah. Whitworth and Sullivan were out, and unfortunately, uh, Roger Saffold's oh. <laughs> got to stay in. That's okay because you only have seven. I don't think up. he wants to come out anyway. He might not. No, he won't. You know he what? If you're out. if yeah. you're playing at this level and as the Rams are, and you're the longest tenured Ram, heck, like live it up, man. Absolutely, have some fun with it. Enjoy it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've, you've been out there long enough when it's been lopsided the other way. Yes. Enjoy this time. And it's funny, I was talking to a couple guys after the game, True Johnson and Alec Ogletree, mm-hmm. and True was the first one to bring this up to me. He said that the Rams are still feeling like they're underdogs. We're still playing, we're still preparing, we're going about our business with an underdog mentality. Yeah. And I followed up, I was like, is that because of everything that you've been through in the past? And he said, for sure. Because I know you what know, that feels like. Yeah, yeah that, I was yeah. going to ask you, like, does, do you feel like you guys could relate to that going through 1999? Well, yeah, I mean, you still think hard times is right around the corner. Right. Um, you're playing well, and you believe it as a football team. I mean, you have the energy, and you believe every single Sunday that you're going to come away with a victory, but you're always worried it could go back to what you're what you've been going through, or the offense just stops scoring, and you know becomes a a, a defensive you know, grind on you, and you have to play 90 snaps just to stay in the football game. Yeah, it's 
guys on that side of the football are, her, that have been here for that long are never going to be comfortable. And that's what makes a season like this so special because you're hungry and you're good at the same time. Um, when you start talking about teams that have been to the postseason year in and year out, possibly a Super Bowl and whatnot, it becomes old hat to them. Their hunger goes. You're a good football team. You know how to win. You know what it's like to be there, but you don't have that hunger to, to, to be the best or not to be the worst football team. So except that's what makes the Patriots. Except for the Patriots, but yeah. that's what makes this so special. Yeah. That's just different. I mean, that's like the Bulls. I mean, they're hungry because they're chasing history. Yeah. Yeah, not just one year. I mean, this is something for the history books and beyond. That's them. But no, the, I see what you're saying, though. These one-year wonders or these w- football teams that are just catching fire for that football season, they make them dangerous, they make them faster, they make them better just because of that hunger. Well, you saw, I, I don't know if you saw this, but today um, as we speak, the Monday morning quarterback, Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated, came out with the Super Bowl midseason predictions, playoff predictions, Super Bowl predictions. And, you know, not to look too far ahead, I know the Texans are this week, and we're going to get to the Texans, and I believe in the one game at a time philosophy, and I think that's why the Rams have been successful. Except when you're talking about Carson Wentz. But Just saying. I thought it was an interesting topic, all anyway, right? Go ahead. Some things, it is. It's very interesting. Some things flop. Some things are successful. You I know? thought it was great. Matt loved it. Did you, Matt? I'm here for you, bud. See, he loved Thank it. You. He's I right there. It. Yeah. But I say all that preamble stuff to, to bring up the fact that Peter King picked yeah. the Rams to win the Super Bowl over the Patriots. No. <laughs> did he really? Yes, he did. <laughs> Which is funny. I mean, like, yeah. Good for him. Because, right. Like, yeah, on the one yeah. hand, it's like, okay, that's that's nice and that's interesting. But on the other, it makes me want to go all Jim Mora. You know, playoffs? Playoffs? Someone, just trying to win you know, a game. Someone said that to me on Monday, and I looked at them kind of cross-eyed. What, playoffs? No, they said Super Bowl. And I'm, you've, you've got the Texans coming up. Yeah. But then he asked me, like, okay, who are your other teams in the NFC? And I started to think, well, you know what? They are in the mix. Right now, yeah. I mean, yeah. they have the best. <laughs> they I guess, are in the mix. They have the best point differential in the NFL. They they sort of have to be. It's actually a in valid the mix. It's a valid point. But, it is. I mean, you're getting too far ahead. You still have to beat the Texans. Absolutely. For, yeah. Like this again. This is a team that has not gone eight and eight right. since you know yeah. ten years ago. More than that. Right. Two thousand and six. The Texans are the perfect team or the perfect example of how your season outlook can change in an instant. In a heartbeat. So, yeah, there's right. no point in looking past. December, or even next week at this point. I agree. Right. Yeah. Because, right, I mean, you lose your quarterback, and then things start to look incredibly different than they once did. Right. Exactly. Um, so, anyway, we'll talk more about the Texans in a second, <laughs> but I do want to get back to what was going on in the last game, um, especially with Woods and Watkins. I think, yeah. you, do you think Buffalo wants them back or what? Like Buffalo I'm sure Tyrod Taylor wouldn't mind having them back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did just get Benjamin from yeah. the Panthers, and um, obviously ben, I think Benjamin's a good wide receiver. But, you know, when you have a guy like Robert Woods, who I think has been outstanding all year, you know, mm-hmm. on the field and off it, you can see the leadership he brings to that wide receiver's room, which is something that they kind of really did not have yeah. before with a guy that is now elsewhere. Um, but you have him... And you see that he can put on the Jets like he does oh, gosh. on that third and 33. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of special, man. I mean, a lane to the end zone, and he absolutely took it. Great blocking down the field Yes, by, by all his teammates. Yes. Uh, Sammy Watkins at the top. Pancake yes. block. Tremendous. Yes. Um, but he sets the standard, and like Andrew Whitworth sets the standard. When a guy that has that many years in the league, and Robert Woods, same thing, who's a veteran, and you see him – working as hard without the ball as he does with it. So if you're a guy behind him or on the field with him, the standard is set. If you're not playing to his speed, it's going to show. Yep. Uh, same thing with Whitworth. If you're not covering down the field after the ball is released, it's going to show because he's going to every single play. So I, I like guys like that, the pace setters, that are uh, they expect you to get with them, and they're also great players to boot. Yes. Um, he has every right to be a diva, but he's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just wants to win. Um, when you see Todd Gurley get in the end zone, or Tavon, or Sammy Watkins, anybody else get in the end zone, the first guy over there is going to be Robert Woods. It's true. Yeah. The next guy, probably Whitworth. Yeah. They're just excited about seeing their team win. It's all about one thing, and that's the W. Um, you don't see that with other teams. Yeah. Uh, you don't see that a lot with other teams. Um, guys will score, and 
the entire offense will just turn their back on him and walk to the sideline. Mm-hmm. It, it must be something going on in the locker room. But Robert Woods, is his, his attitude is infectious. It seems like he just wants everybody to get some that day. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's that, that tone setting, I think, is really important. Mm-hmm. I think what you're saying about the run blocking, especially, oh, that's what happened on that third and 33 for the mm-hmm. 52-yard touchdown. You get Andrew Whitworth and Roger Saffold releasing, and they go, and then they start getting the downfield guys. And then talking to Robert Woods after the game, he said, you, you see those blocks, and then you're like, oh, all right, I got this lane inside because you've got Roger Saffold and Andrew Whitworth doing their job on the first level. Right. And then all of a sudden, like, if that lane opens, boy, you're moving. And I think it's great you, you pointed out that uh, the pancake block from Sammy Watkins at the line. Oh, man. I mean, Matt, you yeah. and I were doing all 22 yesterday, and Matt actually pointed it out to me because I hadn't yeah. seen it at, at, at first. And when you see that, you realize that's why that touchdown happened because if Sammy Watkins doesn't get that pancake block – then he's gonna have that corner's gonna have a chance to make the play to close or to send it back to his help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so now you've got open field and he can just turn on the Jets. Um, I think the Rams might be the best screen team in the league, and I, I mean that's after years and years and years I'm of not screens screen not being able to work at all. Yeah. But uh, just when it's called, how they execute and the guys that are coming out and getting out in front, mm-hmm. um, I think they do a tremendous job. And if you go back to that third and thirty-three that scored, I mean. He actually called three screens on that drive. Two got called back. Uh huh. But he's not giving up on it. Yeah. He's coming right back to it again, and bang, it worked. Yeah. yeah. The great thing about that play is Robert Woods got to, I think, 20-some miles an hour. Oh, did he really? Yes, yeah, on yeah. that. So the Rams had three of the fastest like, times of, a play, of players running. I just messed that up. But the Rams had three of the fastest times of players running in the league over this last week. Wow. So it was on that particular touchdown. Mm. Uh, Robert Woods got over 20 miles an hour. Uh, Sammy Watkins got over 20 miles an hour on his 67-yard <laughs> touchdown. And Todd Gurley also got over 20 miles an hour on his 36-yard touchdown. You know run. what that makes me think? New York may not win a game for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Three of the fastest guys in the league that week were, were against you. Yeah. <laughs> Without Cody Davis. Without Cody Davis. That is and Cody horrible. Davis, you know, is on IR yes. now, but he is one of the fastest players yes. in the league. He's consistently over 20. Don't you now. ever suspend Janoris Jenkins again. I don't care what he <laughs> oh, does. Oh, no. I never again. He's supposed to be back this week. It, by good. The way. <laughs> good. Yeah. But um, yeah, so you have that. And also, apparently, Farrow Cooper was also up there on oh, yeah. uh, the punt return that got called back. Man, I love his role, and I love how he's accepted that role. Um, his punt return ability, phenomenal. It really is. And he can take a pop. I thought the best play, and it wasn't the reverse field punt return or the one that got called back. I'm used to seeing good punt returns. The one where it's kind of dangling in front, and he has to make a decision on the ball when mm-hmm. he's backed up, and he let it go and instantly started the block and got the touchback. Hmm. That is smart punt return. Yes. That's brilliant. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a guy coaching. getting better. Yeah, that's a guy getting better. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I think one of the sort of underrated maybe blessings in disguise of mm-hmm. this season has maybe been Tavon Austin's struggles with the punt returns. Could be. So you get Farrell Cooper in that role because he's really excelled in it. And Tavon gets an expanded role in the offense. Yeah. And he's excelled in that. Yes. Yeah, so it, it worked. Another good coaching move. See, little things like that make you a genius as a head coach. I, yeah, but yeah. I mean, at a certain point, I think the genius aspect of it might have been putting Farrow Cooper back there instead of just Cooper Cup to just wave his hand True. and catch him. But it makes makes you smart. It does make yeah. you smart. All you, you did was sit one guy down. You, and you had, you had to. <laughs> right, right. Because you couldn't keep muffing punts and giving right. up offensive possessions. But I, I, I understand what you're saying there. Thank you. You're welcome. Any more next-gen stats you want to throw at me? I don't think I so. This. I I'm think that kidding. was. I thought that was interesting too. It is. No. You were roasting all of no, the no. nice things I wanted to talk no, about. No, for today. all the. I'm not roasting for all the draft mix. Um, it is building up to. I mean, it's going to be Goff versus Wentz, and I, I hope that the Rams do their part getting through this Sunday and moving on to get to that matchup. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm hoping Philadelphia doesn't. Sure. Yeah, I hope they fall apart. JB, JB along voice of the yeah. Rams and our friend always tweets this. Every NFC loss helps. That's true. No doubt. Yeah. 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 Because I'd like the Seahawks losing last week. You know, Washington wins, but Seahawks being in the yeah. division, that loss that does help you. And that, how they lost. Yeah. You know, they had a lead. Yes. Yeah. And their defense gave it up. They Guess did. who helped? Brian Quick. 
31-yard catch against the Seahawks. I didn't know he did that. He helped, yeah, on that last drive. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, oh yeah. I, see, because yeah. we were, obviously we were on the plane coming right. back six hours from New York, so I'm following this thing on Twitter. Yeah. What I did know is that, Matt, your dude, TCU, Horn Frog, Josh Dotson, yeah. he made a big catch down there. It, it was right after Quicks. Oh, was it? Quick hit him for 31, and then Doxon hit him for Dotson. 37. Yep, right yeah. on the one-yard line. And they were even looking at it to see if he even got touched and rolled into the end zone. Right, and that's on right. a championship-level defense yeah. with a lead, Right, and they took it from him. That's, yeah. that's a big win for Washington. Yeah, absolutely a huge yeah. win for them. Apparently, they do well against teams from the West Coast this year. Right, they are right. 3-0 and against the Rams, the Seahawks, wow. and the 49ers, but Just for 49ers some reason, hasn't beat anybody. The In-N-Out Burger, that's all I can say. Ah. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know either. Um, one other guy I do want to talk about on the offense, though, uh, is Gerald Everett. Yeah. Because the way the Rams are using him right now is so exciting to me because he is a tight end yeah. that he is basically just the Swiss Army knife. And anywhere Sean McVay wants to put him, he can put him and he can make a play. I had fun. Another draft, Nick, thing. Evan Ingram on that side uh, for yeah. New York. And then Gerald Everett mm-hmm. on this side. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about the draft, you talked about those two guys. Who was going first? Um, right, and you see their ability. You do. Uh, they're both problems for defense. They're yeah. matchup nightmares, but for completely different reasons. One guy, pure speed. That's Evan Ingram. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gerald Everett can do anything. Anything. Anything from anything. anywhere. Yep. So even if you've got the right guy over the top of him covering him, well, you're not sure what he's going to do. Right. He can actually rush the football now. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're seeing new things out of him. So at some point, he'll probably be the focal point of the offense for the day. Yes. Yeah, at some point, possibly coming Sunday. Maybe. When you think about matchups and how this offense is flowing and the plays that they're going to run counters off of, he's going to be the guy that has several big plays in the game. Right, and that's to me, is one of the most exciting things because you saw, um, whether it was in the first quarter, second mm-hmm. quarter, I can't quite recall, but it was in the first half when I think it was third down and six, and Jared Goff kind of comes to the line. They don't necessarily quick snap it, but mm-hmm. they snap that ball with, I think, 19 seconds left on the play clock. And from there, you're sort of running a bench concept. I think it was Robert Woods who runs the out. And you've got Gerald Everett just going down the field on the nine route, and Jared Goff just hits him. Right. And Everett makes a really good catch, secures the ball, yeah, makes yeah. sure he keeps two hands on it as yeah. they try to rip it out from him. and goes out of bounds, and then he sets up a touchdown. Um, and that, to me, I, I love that, first of all, because you can line him up on the outside and he can still be effective. And then in the third quarter, he takes a jet sweep, a <laughs> tight end jet sweep. I mean, how often do you see that? That is Rare. beautiful to me. Rare. I think Travis Kelsey might be the only other no, one. Delaney Walker. Oh, Delaney Walker has yeah, done it Yeah, he's for, a 4-3 tight end guy. Right. Vernon Davis. Maybe in the past. Vernon Davis, I mean. I would have to go back and look. I bet they yeah, did run that There's some Davis. fast guys that, I mean, but not every tight end can do that. Not every player can do that. Right. Um, so th- that speaks to his versatility. And then when you're going just a little bit faster, you're affecting communication of the defense. Mm-hmm. So even if I have the right personnel group, we don't have time to communicate because the ball just got snapped. Yes. And then away goes Gerald Everett. Yes. Yeah, so it, it makes you play catch-up to guys that are already faster than you. Right. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, at some point I would not be surprised to see Gerald Everett, like, line up in the backfield and take a read option from Jared Goff. Wow. who knows? Or throw it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. But you get that, you know, that yeah. little inside tight end stuff that they do with the shovel pass. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of it, and Nick Bay has even said that he – looks at other teams, you know, mm-hmm. he takes things from around the league. Nothing in this league really is that oh, it's new. It's a copycat league. It is. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely a copycat league. And we talked about this before, I think, um, the, the 53-yard touchdown that Todd Gurley had against Dallas basically took that from Kansas City oh, yeah. against New England in week one where they threw it to Kareem Hunt down the field. But you also see that Kansas City playbook comes in with the, uh, the Gerald Everett stuff sometimes. Because, like I yeah. said, when you got the Travis Kelsey on the jet sweep, seen that. The inside shovel pass to yeah. Gerald Everett, also seen that to Travis Kelsey. And I think it's interesting that McVay sees so much of, uh, I guess, his personnel groupings from the Rams that can take advantage of those kinds of plays yeah. from different different spots. Well, he's on the cutting edge. I mean, it seems like everybody in the NFL, it seems like pick routes are in vogue. Picks and rub routes. Definitely. Everything is coming off an intersection, and defenders are colliding with each other and with 
other offensive players, which gets a guy wide open. Well, that, yeah. Remember with Adam Gase and with the yeah. Broncos um, before they went to he and John Fox went to the Bears. That yeah. was that was a lot of that the the, the pick yeah. routes the and everything getting in vogue in I, that way. I think the NFL, the way it's going and the rules that favor the offense, have allowed more of that to go on. Now they're trying to police it. The offensive pass interference calls. Yes, uh, you have to be on time with the throw. But I, I think coaches and coordinators, offensive guys have mastered that now. And really, as a defensive person, I'd love to have this conversation with Wade Phillips. I don't think there's any way around it. Right. And if you're in man coverage or even in zone, uh, these picks and rubs and how they're getting away with it and the guys they're using, tight end with a running back, tight end with a receiver, running back with a receiver, and how they're getting to these picks and rubs um, has been phenomenal. But as long as your quarterback gets the ball out on time, in an advantageous spot, there's almost nothing you can do as a defender but make the tackle. Right. You're not making a play on the ball. No. You're not going to be anywhere near it. But yeah. that's why tackling is so important. Big time. And yeah. I think we've seen the Rams get better in that way, that yeah. they are sort of defending these things. Uh, I think about Mark Barron, think about Alec Ogletree in particular, yeah. when you have guys that are in man coverage yeah. on the running back and they get the, the thing out. Um, quickly from the quarterback's hand to the running back and you're in the flat, like that's it's hard to do, but you got to be able to run and make those tackles. And that's another guy, 52, point him out. He was playing like gangbusters on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, not just making plays, which he did, but just ruining offensive linemen. Uh Like actually taking guys on at the point of attack and shedding and disengaging. So he's getting more stout at the point of attack, like understanding what they're trying to do against you now. So he's getting better. And Mark Barron has been frenetic. He's everywhere now. He's everywhere. So as long as you have a lead, this defense will be at their best. When you don't and teams start to come at you and just run straight ahead, I think that's when you're going to have – when it's 0-0 or 7-7. Yes. This is where you're going to have problems. Yeah, it is. And that's what the Rams have to definitely address. If you can't take it away, right. Yeah, if you can't take it away. They did, though, take it away against New York. They had three takeaways in the first half, which led to 17 points. And, boy, if the offense and defense are working in tandem like that, you're going to win most games. Oh, man. Uh, I've watched that Aaron Donald sack about 100 times. And you could watch it 100 more, couldn't you? Yes. (laughs) Um, I I told – uh, the guys, we were on break. Or actually, I wasn't on air. I was listening to JB and Maurice, and I told Julio, who I'm talking to most yeah. of the time, I our, said, look. Our producer down there. Yeah, our producer. I said, if, if Eli lines up in shotgun, this is going to be a sack. Huh. I, I said this. Two seconds later, sack caused fumble. Yeah. There's no way you can block Aaron Donald one-on-one in a passing situation. Yeah. When you go shotgun, you're forcing that guy to have to block Aaron Donald. So that is also on tape. And this is what I told Sean McVay. Still with that, you still can't take him away. No. At some point, you're going to have to go one-on-one with Aaron Donald. Yeah, unless you want to start sliding people towards him, Mm -hmm. which opens yourself up for backside blitzes. Yes. Um, He is the the best defensive weapon in the game, hands down. You can't take him away. You can't. Yeah, stout. Because And he affects every single play because he is on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he'll dominate this Sunday. I'd be surprised if he didn't. Yeah? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the Texans' game plan is going to change a little bit. Um, it looked like somebody had hit the, the pause button on the offense. It's the same stuff, just a little bit slower. Hmm. And they've lost their ability to create when things break down. When right. you're in practice Wednesday and Thursday, you're practicing for the best-case scenario. Everything's in rhythm. You know, you snap, you drop back, you throw it, everything's on rhythm. Well, in a game, it's going to be different. Uh-huh. Guys are coming at you, your quarterback's going to have to move, and can you stay in that play? Well, Deshaun Watson was killing people with that. Right. He was a master of getting out of the play and back into it, keeping his heads up, getting the ball down the field. Well, that's going to change a little bit. So I would imagine they're still going to try to run their same stuff just a little bit faster, which means you're going to have to expect your guards to hold up against Aaron Donald. It ain't going to happen. It's Well, it's very hard. It's not going to happen. And yeah. the other thing about Tom Savage that I, I noticed, at, at least, is that when he was playing with a clean pocket, and he had, not only a clean pocket, but he had the sight lines yeah. against Indianapolis, then he was able to make the strong, accurate Fourth throws. quarter, he was pretty good. Yes, he yeah. was. He finally kind of got into that rhythm, especially yeah. as they were going no huddle um, down the field. But if... Things get muddy, and yeah. he, because he is not as mobile a quarterback of, as Deshaun Watson, and if you can get him into those kinds of situations where your hands up and you got bodies all around him, it's going to be tough for him to throw. True. Um, like I, I would say this: uh, one guy getting a win in the middle in a pass rush against Deshaun Watson, I'd still take the Texans. 
because he's going to make that guy miss. Yeah, he can. Especially if he has space. Right. And still get get back into the play. Yeah. Now, one guy getting free to the middle against Savage, the play's dead. Right. Yeah, uh, he just doesn't have the mobility, the athleticism of a Deshaun Watson. So th- that opens you up. And you can even tell with Indianapolis, man. I mean, if you go back and watch other teams try to rush Watson, mm-hmm. uh, you have to rush with some control because he could wind up anywhere on the play. Right. Well, when they didn't have that, Indianapolis just pent their ears back and went. Right. Uh, Sheard had two sacks. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely became a pass rusher. So imagine the Rams and how we feel about them just becoming pass rushers on the day and not having to worry about anybody escaping. That's going to be dangerous for any It is, absolutely, yeah. and that's why the Rams work so well when they get a lead and mm-hmm. they can keep a lead. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about this, I believe, going back to that Jacksonville game Yeah. where you say, all right, look, if you get a lead on Jacksonville and they have to let and they have oh, to yeah. have Blake Bortles win, it's going to be you a win. lot easier for you. You win, right. Because you can probably force him into situations right. where he's going to turn the ball over. Right. I kind of feel the same way about this Houston Texans team. You know, except for the receivers. Um, okay, and that's, yeah, that's a really Hopkins good point. Because is, Hopkins is tremendous. And Will Fuller has the best body control of any receiver I've seen all year. Wow, really? Yes. I mean, really, his body control when the ball's in the air is phenomenal. Okay. Yeah, he can. it sets you up like Gronk, which means it's a fade, except he's facing you. Hmm. And then when the ball's thrown, he can flip and go get it, which means you're walled off as a defender. So he is just that good. So some of those incompletions, like we said, against New York with those two receivers will turn into catch and carries. Yeah. Yeah, so you're going to need good pressure on Savage. Uh, the ball's going to come out quick. Make sure you make the tackle on both those guys on the perimeter. If not, they're going to still they're going to run. They're going to get going and get to the end zone. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It will be tough. Um, but one thing I think we have seen from the Rams is that the defense has improved. I think the defense did turn that corner against Dallas um, in Week Four, which we mm-hmm. sort of said, okay, does it look? It looks like they may have turned a corner, have they? Since that game, I mean, the Rams have not allowed more than 17 points in a game. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we're coming up on a Takeaways help that. that. Takeaways, yeah. yes, takeaways <laughs> help that. And the Rams are seventh yeah. in the league in takeaways right now. They have 15. They have yeah. 10 interceptions and five forced fumbles. But yeah. are, is the defense getting the takeaways or not, right? True. I mean, like, it's yeah. like if somebody says, you know, uh, Leonard Fournette had a 75-yard run and then he had 20 and then for 55. Right. But, did, but did that run happen or did it not? It happened. Oh, right. yeah. I, I'd, I'd like relate him to Mike Tyson. There's a young Mike Tyson who's, you're Mike not making Tyson. it out of the first round. I mean, really. I mean, when he was young and you couldn't hit him yeah. and he's hitting you a lot, you're not making it out of the first round. Then the older Mike Tyson that was just a little bit past his prime may lose rounds, but it only took one punch <laughs> and then the fight's over. Right. Um, same thing. I mean, the Rams were getting backed up, the Giants were mo- moving the football, and then they took it away. Yeah. And then the Rams scored. And makes the score lopsided. It Same does. thing. Uh, as long as you're, if you want to be a takeaway team, then so be it. Uh, if you want to be a team that stops everything and be one of the greatest defenses out there, I mean, I, I still think you have that ability to be able to stop everything. But an opportunistic defense that feeds an offense that scores also wins in this league. Yes, definitely does. And right now the Rams have gotten back to plus three in the turnover mm-hmm. margin, which is good. McVay often says this, uh, the the biggest indicator of wins and losses aside from points is takeaways. No doubt. And that turnover margin. So that's very, very important. And you're going to need, you really should expect to get at least one, probably more against this team if you can force them into bad situations. Probably. I mean, at some point I, I would assume, I mean, remember Tom Savage did start the season as the starter. Right. And um, then everybody asked why, because Deshaun Watson True. Had and then he took touchdowns. off. But he's going to round back into some sort of form and the offense is going to start to fit his skill set. And they'll start to look like a credible offense. I mean, they're not going to look like they did against Indy, against right, the Rams. Right. It's going to be a little bit different. So uh, maybe picks on tips and overthrows, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting the ball out on a, on a pass rush is definitely a possibility with the guys you have. Um, but as far as him just messing up and throwing it to you, I don't see that happening. Okay. Yeah. I don't see that happening. Well, I, I I agree with you that they're going to be better than what they showed last week. And last week they yeah. didn't get their off their first offensive touchdown of the game until there were just over six minutes left in the entire thing. True. Their, their first touchdown came from a sack fumble, yeah. and then they returned it all the way back. Um, in a it was a really good play. Yeah, safety um, blitz, I believe. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a good it was a good play call too. Um, on it, 
on they sacked Jacoby Brissett mm -hmm. on a two-minute drill, mm -hmm. then returned that fumble all the way to the end zone, and that's kind of how this game got close. Mm -hmm. So I think that tells you again, taking care of the football yeah. is going to be very, very important against this defense. Uh, I was just 44 attempts, and he didn't throw a pick. Right. That's what I mean. I don't. I don't okay, see yeah. a guy like Tom Savage just throwing you the ball. Sure. That's not going to happen. But if if he if he's a little bit late and you're playing a little bit faster on defense and you get your hand on it and it's tipped, then I can see a couple of turnovers that way, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. All right, what do you see from the Texans defensively? <laughs> I mean, 90. That's all I see. Yeah. Uh, Jadavian Clowney. Um, he's going to start the play on, like, balance downs, first and second down, when it could be a run pass, heavy run pass. He's going to start on the right. Mm -hmm. When it's obvious passing situations, he's going to stand up and pick on the weak. Yes. He's going to pick the guy he thinks he's going to have the best chance to beat. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll figure out who that's going to be on game day. And chances are it's going to be on an interior guy. And that's, I would probably guess, Jamon Brown. Yeah. I mean, I think Roger Saffold is on his way to the Pro Bowl. Really? Uh, so is Andrew Whitworth. Okay. I, I think that side has been great. But if you had to pick, um, and unlike New York, why in the heck would you put your best pass rusher on Andrew Whitworth? Listen, You're helping the Rams. Listen, I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. Head scratcher. I, yeah, you move that guy around, right? I told you I talked with Spags about his defense for a long time, and I still don't get it. <laughs> Stuff like that is head scratching. <laughs> wow. Um, but I would bet that they're going to put Jadavian Clowney in passing situations somewhere in the middle, probably on the defensive left okay. on Jamon Brown and see if he can uh, get pressure there. But outside of that, I don't see a lot of world beaters up front. So to get pressure on the quarterback – you're going to need a lot of pressure. You're right. going to need to bring people to get there like they did versus Indy, uh -huh. which is going to open you up for a lot of stuff going down the field. Right. Yeah. And that's but why their defense has been uh, the way it is, why mm -hmm. 90s, you're probably the only one who shows up, is because J.J. Watt is hurt. Mar uh, Merciless is hurt. Yeah. You have Brian Cushing out for 10-game suspension for using PED. They're shorthanded, too. Yeah. Right. So they are pretty shorthanded, and a lot of those guys are very impactful players yeah. who are not playing. Um, now, that's just pass. Uh, against the run, pretty stout. I mean, they've got, they've, yes. got some, they've got some girth, some big dudes that – you know, they're well coached. Bill O'Brien is, he's a tough minded coach. He is. Um, they're going to be tough to move the ball, you know, uh, uh, to, to run the football against. But at some point, if the score gets lopsided or if, if the, the Rams defense is stopping that Texans offense, at some point, this defense will collapse. If you look at their fourth quarter scoring, I think they've lost the fourth quarter of the last five weeks in a row. Mm. They've been outscored. So, I mean, at some point, attrition kicks in and, you know, teams just get tired. You saw it all last year with the Rams defense. Yes, this yeah. is true. Start out like gangbusters and eventually they've got more plays than you've got effort and you wind up losing games. Right. And I think we would actually be remiss to not talk about uh, Lamar Miller a little bit. Just oh, speaking yeah. of running the ball. Because I think that Lamar Miller actually does a really good job for them. He mm -hmm. is a guy that can get them some yards. He also can get out of the backfield and catch a pass if need be um so he's going to be a guy that you're talking about you know rams man defense and those pick routes and mm -hmm. things like that that lamar miller is going to be a guy that the rams have to stop oh yeah and if he's watching i'm sure he's watching you know the rams versus new york you see darkwood get out right you see uh goldman get out a few times mm -hmm. so lamar miller thinks why not me right um i, I think you're going to get a heavy dose of run um he gets skinny in the hole he can get out there and like you said he's He's a he's an all-purpose back. Mm -hmm. If it's not happening, you know, between the tackles or running the football, he can also get you on screens or out of the backfield. So, uh, again, it's it's going to be a four-quarter job for the Rams D. Absolutely. Okay. So before we get out of here, there's one thing that I do really want to bring up because it's sort of like Is it the Carson once again. No, it's not okay. Carson once again, but it's the rant yeah. of the week. So okay. have you? I know you don't tweet. Dak Prescott. No, stop I'm it. Just saying. I know you don't tweet very much. I don't but tweet have you at seen, all. I, I know. Okay. You did favor to tweet today. I, I saw did? that. You did? That was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> That's just fat fingers. Oh, no. He hit the, we had an accidental <laughs> What did I favorite? Oh. It was, it was a question for the mailbag. See, I was just trying to see the question. But anyway, go ahead. All right. What's well, the question? The, this is not a question. Oh. It's, it's more of a statement and then Shoot. like a rant. So Twitter has now gone from 140 characters to 280 for everyone. Like this was, did oh, you nice. even know about this thing in the, in the past? So they like did it beta, a beta version, I guess you would say, with a few different people, and like everybody started taking advantage, like oh I have 280, ha ha ha, and then would like just put a a a a a 280 times like a jerk, 
Okay. But then now you've got everybody who has this ability. And I'm telling you, it's ruining Twitter. It's ruining it. Ruining it for all of us. No? How so? Wait, how so? Because everybody now thinks that all of their thoughts are so important that they can't be, they can't have any brevity about themselves. Oh. So everybody is using this 280 characters, and now nobody knows how to act on Twitter. And the worst part is, the worst part is that Twitter, in their justification for giving everybody 280 characters, said, well, what we noticed was that when we gave people 280 characters, they used them for like a day, and then they pretty much didn't use them at all anymore. Like, they just went, like, halfway. They weren't really using 280. So now, but, like, this is the problem, though. Because everybody is using 280 characters for everything. And your timeline is just littered with 280 characters this, 280 characters that. I'm using this full quote from this one person just because I can. See how much fun 6 and 2 is? I'm just saying. See how much fun it is to win? Twitter. Wow. Please, do us all a favor. Go back to 140 characters. Just please, God. What he said. Yeah. I'm a little afraid right now. What? Oh, we don't need to be I'm afraid. A little, I'm a little scared of Miles. Are you afraid, Matt? I'm not afraid, but I, I do concur that, like, Facebook was for the stories. Twitter was for the quick, brief thoughts, and Instagram was for the pictures. Yes. And instead, everything's kind of molding into one giant social media blob. Right. Twitter, Twitter is great because if you want to know something quickly on Twitter, that's where you go. That's news, right? When something happens in the world, right. that's where you go. Got and it. now you can't find anything because you have to sift through all the garbage and gobbledygook of people using 280 characters to express their every thought. I think Put that on stop. a Facebook status. You're about this close to saying a curse word. No, I'm not. Oh, you are. I know we're on the air. I'm just saying. And even if I did, Matt could believe it. See? That's <laughs> what wow. I'm here for. That is <laughs> what Matt's here for. All right. So after that rant, I feel better now. Good I for you. I got that off my chest. Wow. What's the single most important thing the Rams have to do to beat the Houston Texans? In 140 characters or less? <laughs> uh, just to make sure. I don't want to get ripped. No, because this is a podcast format oh, and okay. we can talk as long as we want. Uh, just take care of the ball. Um, take care of the football. Uh, don't be loosey goosey with it. Um, you know, there's, there's. You mentioned playing at home. Defensively, it's going to energize the Rams. D. You get to play with crowd noise. It's going to be a little bit easier to rush the passer. Uh-huh. So, uh, but I do worry about the other side at home. Um, there is a tendency to let your guard drop, hmm. um, and I think most of the takeaways or turnovers have happened at home. I believe so. Yes, Goff has at least two picks and home. fumbles. Yeah. Yeah. So have happened at home. So just reverse that trend. Come out of the gate like you already have the lead. So uh, we'll see what happens on game day. But yeah, just take care of the football. Be professional. And uh, just remember, rule number one is keep losing teams losing. You're a better football team than the Texans. So go out there and play like it. Absolutely. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this edition of Between the Horns. Kickoff this week is at 105 on CBS. Now, there are actually Rams and Chargers are playing at the same uh, are playing on the same network this weekend. So the game might begin on KCAL 9 and then it will be oh, go over to CBS once the Chargers end. So wow. hope that the Chargers end quicker than later. Making you but, work. <laughs> yes, exactly. But KCAL 9, there will definitely be kickoff on KCAL 9 because that's the other CBS-owned station here in Los Angeles. So DeFar and I will probably have our sideline pregame live for you yes. at 1230 Pacific uh, right before kickoff. I'll so, keep it brief. Yeah. Be sure to tune in for that. Um, though you can be able to check that out on Facebook Live and Periscope. So, for my producer Matt, for DeMarco Farr, I'm Miles Simmons. We will see you Sunday. Scared to death. <laughs>